comes to our attention is, is just, uh, just how good this gospel message is, particularly when you get a fresh understanding of, of what it is that we've received in Jesus Christ. It's almost like we, we want to help people to understand what it is that Jesus did upon the cross. Because look, the thing is, when, when people do, there's something that happens in hearts. The Bible says faith comes. The faith, how does faith come? By hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There's a lot of people, and even in the lives of, of those of you, uh, that are sat here today, there's a lot of people who have rejected the gospel even before understanding what it really is. Even before con you know, having a, a conscious understanding of what it was that Jesus Christ did upon the cross. And I believe if anyone should know what it is, it's the church. You know, it's us. We should know and understand fully. So that to the point where we could explain it to someone. I know I couldn't, un I know I, I didn't understand righteousness before I became a Christian. In fact, when I did find out about righteousness, I wanted to talk about it all the time. No, it's not that you have to be good. This is what I do. It's not that you have to be perfect or good. He made you righteous. He makes you righteous. And it was like my friends were going, oh. That's interesting, you know, and that each time I saw them, and eventually after about six weeks, they started to get a bit tired of me going on about it. <laughs> but, um, you know, some friends heard, and uh, I started to see fruit from that as well. People coming to know Jesus and, uh, and, and understand that same gift that I'd come to understand, the gift of righteousness, the one that we all cannot buy or purchase. You know, it's not something that comes uh, through our, our earning it. it. It's a gift from God, and we, we appreciate that. You know, uh, our, um, a part of our last series that we've just finished, and uh, this is the first one after the series on battle prayer, it, it did include the truth that the anointing on Jesus, the empowerment on his life as he ministered the truth of God's word, and by the Spirit of God, the anointing on his life was to set captives free. And it's on his church as well. I want to keep reminding you, church, it's, it's not just on us corporately. It's on our lives individually to set captives free. And that means taking the truth out, taking the word of God out into lives of people around us and letting the word do its work. If we just let the word do its work, see, as we speak the word, what happens? Faith comes. And it comes to hearts. It comes to those around us as we continue to, you know, and I, I know you need to be wise. I know you can't be painful with it. But I tell you that the, the, the power of just speaking the word of God and letting people understand what it does say. But most importantly, from a heart that understands what it is. And what the message of the gospel is. You know, the Holy Spirit is manifest in our lives for that work of freedom to be accomplished. He's manifest in our lives for that reason, for the work of God to be accomplished, the, to, to bring freedom uh, to people's lives, set people free. As we um, gather together for church, let's make our purpose to first of all be a people that pursue and experience his presence let's come hungry for an encounter as we gather come hungry for an encounter not just to fulfill duty let's make sure we individually do what we must do to support 
with our faith, that atmosphere of the Spirit of God. Again, this morning, just so touched by the word being spoken out upon the congregation. Again, I had to, settle, had to get my heels in there and, and make sure I wasn't going to fall to my chair. But, but, you know, just as the word's spoken out, you know, because I receive it, you see. And we need to be that same kind of people. So that the atmosphere of the Spirit of God in our midst, you know. And as we do, transformation occurs. Captives get set free. And, uh, you know, the lost are saved, the sick are healed. Bondages get broken. And the name of the Lord Jesus gets glorified. Who's in for that? I'm in for that. I want to see the name of Jesus glorified. Not just as we gather amongst ourselves, but those people that are outside the church. Those people that need to hear that gospel message. Praise the Lord, I was so blessed last week when, um, when the young man came down and, and I, I asked him what his need was and he you know, sort of looked at me and I said, you need to receive Jesus, don't you? And of course he did and received Jesus right there and then. And just, again, mindful that it's not just a prayer and it's not just a belief system that you, you, you're sort of bringing someone into, but that there's power present, you know. And we, we believe that for our altar calls, that the power of God be present to change things. And this young man, and I'll, I, I say in all honesty, when I looked at his eyes, when I prayed for him, the, uh, the prayer of salvation, and the look in his eyes after he prayed the prayer of salvation was two different looks. In fact, his whole countenance had changed. There was a lightness there that was not there. And uh, I praise the Lord for that. And, you know, we pray that, you know, he'll keep walking in the ways that the Lord would want him to walk in and uh, would be that um, ongoing uh, testimony of God's goodness in his life. But, you know, we need to be a people that are keen to see Jesus being glorified. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's that liberty that sets people free. You know, he's not here just to give us goosebumps, you know, and thrills. He's not here just for that. He's here to do a business, the business of heaven. You know, we sing, we, you know, we sing that song, freedom reigns in this place, showers of mercy and grace. And I love being in the altar call when you feel the waves of God's glory just, you know, coming upon someone, just wave after wave and, and actually helping them to experience and then feel it as well and know that God's pouring something out into their life and that it's a sensation that is tangible, that those, those moves of God's spirit are tangible and can be felt and known. They are spiritual, but they can be, they can be discerned physically. And I love that. I say... Why wouldn't you want to be around that? Can I get an amen? <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to be around that? But, you know, we don't just want to, um, to be a song we sing, you know. It, it needs to be a life we live. And, uh, you know, and it just never ceases to amaze me how religious observance can take precedence over God's manifest presence. You know, that desire to do a duty, to fulfil some some type of ceremony, or oh, I'll do this again and again. And I, and I remember a, a man that got saved in our church when we were pastoring back in Queensland, and uh, he'd, only been, he'd only been saved three weeks, and he'd been to one service and, and seen that we took communion, and, uh, and he came to another service, and he realised this is after he'd given his heart to Jesus, become a Christian. His, his, um, remember Liz? His wife um, uh, got uh, saved by coming to our ladies' uh, Bible study, 
and uh, she believed for her husband to come to church. And of course, he came to church and he got saved. And uh, here he is in his second week. And we were going through our service. He'd been to one service. He's in his second service and he realizes that we're not done communion. He put his hand up and said, you forgot communion. <laughs> Talk about religious observance. You know, he's learning after two weeks that there's, you've got to keep doing these things, you know. But um, I tell you what, it's God's manifest presence that we want, not religious observances and, and things that we do out of repetition. How many know that keeping the law of Moses will not get you into heaven? I'm just going to say that. I'll put that out there again. Keeping the law of Moses is not going to get you into the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to burst anyone's bubble this morning, but the Bible is very clear on that. Our mosaic law keeping will not qualify us for eternal life. The law revealed the need of a saviour who would pay the price for our sins once and for all. That's what the law did. It showed us that we needed a saviour, that we weren't and we couldn't match up to what was required of us. Only one did, and that was Jesus, which showed that he was worthy to be the sacrifice for our sins. What is it? A lamb without blemish? That's exactly who he was. And you can see that pattern in the scriptures. Uh, many will know the story of Nicodemus. And uh, I like to pick that story up this morning. And John chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Uh, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Notice how the presence and power of God that marked Jesus' ministry got the attention of Nicodemus. He was drawn to the signs and the wonders. And Jesus wastes no time and just gets straight down to the answer. See how, particularly we should see how Jesus didn't even wait for the question. He obviously knew where Nick was going. All right, let's just watch this. Verse 3, Jesus, uh, yeah, verse three, Jesus answered, and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. And Jesus tells Nicodemus that gaining eternal life is not about keeping the law of Moses. It's not about trying to be the best you can be. The answer is not about serving God long enough to earn it, huffing and puffing for all, the, uh, all that watch you to stand in awe. It's not about that. Make sure that your giving and your serving is not for others to see. I'll say that again. You might want to just put your seatbelts on for this one. Make sure that your serving and giving is not for others to see. We do it as unto the Lord. Amen? And Jesus here pinpoints the truth that eternal life, our passage into the kingdom of God, is achieved through an inward transformation. Amen? Our new life starts in Christianity through God's work in the spirit and it never becomes something we earn. God's work in the spirit. That's how it starts. Transformation comes that way. God's work in our spirit. I like Galatians chapter 3 and we should see this very, very clearly. Look what he says, Galatians 3, 3. He says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, what's he talking about? It's talking about the work of transformation that occurred when you got born again. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, 
Are you now made perfect by the flesh? In other words, God did a work in your spirit when you got saved. Are you now going to get made perfect by something you can do? Something that you can bring to the equation? Not at all. Galatians 3.3 in the Amplified says, Are you so foolish and senseless, having begun your new life by faith with the Spirit? Are you being perfected and reaching spiritual maturity by the flesh? That is, by your own works and efforts to keep the law. I don't know about you, but I think that's a great scripture because it tells me something about what I have received as a new believer. It tells me something that I still have as a believer. It tells me that I've been made, you know, uh, 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 transformed on the inside by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I often talk about the conversation I had with the dear gentleman that got uh, saved with me uh, the day that I gave my heart to Jesus 39 years ago. And, um, and how when I got out of that baptism tank, and he, he'd been baptised as well, but it wasn't the baptism tank that was so important. It was the fact that we'd said the sinner's prayer in the baptism tank, which is quite a, quite a, um, a public affair, I assure you, in that church. When you got baptised, you, you thought you were going behind the curtain, behind the pulpit, but as soon as you're in the bath, they open the curtain. So... <laughs> You know, you're looking, and it must have been about 200 people looking, you know, with that look of excitement that you were getting baptised, you know. But um, they then led you in the prayer of salvation, you know, uh, receiving Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. But I tell you what I got out of that baptism tank, and I don't care how many times I tell the story, because I tell you, it's so real to me like it was yesterday. got out of that baptism tank, and I thought they'd put something in the water. I thought, I thought they put bath salts in there or something because I felt really, really clean. And I'm going, as I'm getting into my dry clothes again, and they gave you a pair of footy shorts from the 80s, you know, you know those really tight, skippy little footy shorts they wore. So we're sort of trying to pull those off, you know, and get into your dry clothes and... And the other gentleman that I got baptised with was a young Indigenous man. I don't know, he probably would have been 17 or 18 years old. And, I, and I'm tussling with the fact that something feels different. They put something in the water. And I, I says to him, I says, so how do you feel? <laughs> and he sort of looked at me and he goes, I don't know, you know. And I said, I feel really different, you know. I said, I think they put something in the water. So I started to talk to this young man about my, my thought that they'd put something in the water. And, and I, went, I went home that day too, just again aware that something had changed, something was different. And, um, and again, that, that you know, if, I, if, if I, there was a possible amount of doubt to be maybe taking me away what happened that night when I first prayed to God and made a deal with him. I said, Lord, if you're really real, you know, don't forget he's already in my life. I'd already received him, okay? And, then I, and I've had that spiritual experience on the inside, but I, I just wanted to sort of just seal it 
once and for all. And I said, Lord, if you're really real, and I was lying in bed, if you're really real, you'll prove yourself to me. And I didn't know then that you couldn't ask those kind of questions. I was so new, you know. And I gave the Lord about probably 20 seconds. That's about how long I gave him to do something. And I thought, but I said to him, I said, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're real, you prove yourself to me. And I'll serve you for the rest of my days. And that was the thing. And I heard someone else say that too. I believe, I think, I'm pretty sure it was Pastor Margaret, actually, Pastor Margaret Court, who said, has a very similar testimony, how she told the Lord, I'll serve you for the rest of my days. And um, it was very interesting hearing that one day. But as I gave the Lord 20 seconds to answer, I, I had resolved that I would just keep doing what I was doing and just go on the way that I'd been living. In other words, there was going to be no change from me. And as I turned, rolled over to go to sleep and assume my sleeping position, the power of God hit me. From the top of my head to the tip of my toes, I felt this rush of love, of warmth. It was almost like electricity that touched my head and coursed through my body, hit my toes and bounced out, uh, back out again. And it was so quick, I only had enough time to think. If this doesn't stop, I'm going to die. And it was almost like death from ecstasy. That was, that was the best way I could put it. It was so good, that sense and feeling that I got that night. And I knew, I knew as, I think I passed out from the ecstaticness of it. You know, I just, I went to sleep. I didn't st stay there thinking about it for an hour. I just went straight to sleep. And I knew then that there was a God in heaven. I knew that he was now in my life. And I woke up that next day so free and so, I guess you could say, new. And, I, you know, and the, the, the amazing thing is, is that I couldn't rub two scriptures together to tell anyone at that time what had happened. But no one could talk me out of the God of the Bible. No one could tell me that the God of the Bible doesn't exist or it's, that's not real or any of that because I'd had the experience. And that just also told me that, you know, we don't have to convince people intellectually about Jesus. He comes and makes himself known in our lives. And so often you see the fruit of that um, as you minister the gospel to people. You know, in the new birth, our spirit gets renewed. We need to know what happens. Our spirit gets renewed. It's not just words on a page or a, a picture of an abstract truth. The new birth is a transformation in our spirit. And remember, we are spirit. We live in a body and we have a soul. And, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a, a picture that we need to have there of what our, our being really is. It's spirit, soul and body. Before the new birth, our life is contaminated by sin. And that is, that, contaminate, that contamination of sin is spirit, soul and body. We can try and be good, but it doesn't change our sin nature. And the problem with every other religion is that it tries to make man better through some other means. Other than a transformation or renewing of the spirit. It tries to do something that only God can do. 
And just in case you're one of those, oh, well, all roads lead to heaven kind of person, you better know that there's only way, one way to God the Father. And we need to be preaching that. And that's Jesus, you know, said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And another uh, scripture that just highlights that new birth, one which speaks so clearly of what we've been transformed from, what we are saved from. And notice it is a big list here as well, but still not comprehensive. I just like it. Nine, nine things uh, that, that get listed here as pertaining to our old life. And we need to look at it. This is uh, in Titus chapter 3 and verse 3. It says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Saviour toward man appeared, look how Jesus described uh, as being, or look how Jesus is described as being the answer to our previous list, our previous life and nature. In this next verse we see it's not by our own good works that we're qualified for the passage into the kingdom of God. And just so we don't miss that, the same truth gets repeated by telling us what we get justified by. And watch this. The new birth gets a detailed description of what actually happens on the inside of us in the new birth. And just reading on into verse 5, look what it says. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Saviour, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I tell you, I like this, I like this passage. You know, um, I'll just share a little uh, moment with you. Uh, that I had yesterday. I was just getting some of these verses down, uh, um, you know, as, as the Lord was dropping them in, and, and I was going, oh, oh yeah, okay. That and uh, I, I just happened to see a bing up on my, uh, and of course there's a, uh, a message to me from uh, Mark, who's down there on the sound desk, and uh, it was that cartoon from Titus chapter uh, chapter 3 and verse 5, 6. And I said, what do you got, a surveillance camera on here or something? Have you put some type of app into my computer so that you know what I'm actually doing right now? And um, I was literally typing that scripture out and, uh, and getting it into my notes. And uh, it just goes to show, you know, that there's sometimes a sink in the spirit uh, that we need to be aware of. But not by our righteousness are we saved, but by the washing the regeneration and, new, and renewing of the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. Not by our righteousness. You know, what we bring to the equation. And now Nicodemus is wondering how it works. And I want to know too. I don't know about you. I like to know how these things work. Because when I said the prayer of salvation, I know something happened on the inside of me. I felt immediately that I was clean on the inside. And Jesus lets Nicodemus know that the new birth is a birth of the Spirit, and Nicodemus asks his question. Let's just go back there and look at it. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? 
You know, Nicodemus is no doubt struggling with the concept. He's not thinking spiritually, so Jesus just unpacks it for him. And so we see in John 3 verse 5, And Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. What he's saying is there needs to be a transformation on the inside, and it's like a new birth. Being born of the water, and just remember this, being born of the water is not talking about water baptism. In verse 5, the verse is speaking about the first birth, which is the natural birth, the one where the amniotic fluid, all the mothers would know, amniotic fluid is broken, the waters break. In giving birth, the waters do break. Just in case we're still thinking, it's talking about water baptism, Jesus repeats the equation there in verse 6. And he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So there's a new birth to be had. Every person in the earth needs that new birth to be born again. It changes our spiritual sin nature into a righteousness nature. And of course, these are, these are truths, church, that we need to hold on to and not let slip. You know, just, oh, yeah, I got born again. Oh, 10 years ago, I think I got born again. I think I did. Can't remember now. You know, we, we need to press in for the experience so that we know that we know that we know that God did that transforming, uh, transforming work uh, in our lives. These are the truths that we do need to hold on to. And if we think that we can be saved by improving ourselves, we need to remind ourselves that it's only through the new birth that we get to come into the kingdom of heaven. And we should give ourselves to good works. I'll say that again. We should give ourselves for good works. Now, we were created, the Bible says, for good works. That new transformation that occurs on the inside of us is for good works. You know, it's so that we can start doing good because now we are by the Spirit of God. Uh, are people that walk in righteousness. And it's, but we've got to remember, it's only by the virtue of what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins and rose again that we can be confident of eternal life. I've just got one more scripture before we close uh, this morning. And it's from 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, and it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, by his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's only through believing on Jesus and his death and his resurrection that we can come into that new life, that transformation. The way we enter into that, uh, that new life does not change. You know, it doesn't get better after you've got a doctorate in theology doesn't get better in fact I wonder whether it'll get worse but just joking any theologians here this morning I'm, I'm just playing with you okay <laughs> but you know it remains the same since Jesus died and rose again it remains the same and every heart and if I remember rightly the thing that I started to really connect with when I first got saved and I was first started to read my bible was that these guys in the bible all them fishermen as uh, Crocodile Dundee used to say, you know, all them fishermen, um, you know, that he could relate to so easily, 
had had an experience with Jesus. And as I read, the, as I started to read their account, I think, they got what I got. They were born again. You know, they found new life in Christ, just like I did. I could start to really relate. And uh, I, I hope you read that way. I hope you read your scriptures the same way. That they didn't have any more special experience than what you can have now. Because it was the same spirit, the same Jesus as it was then, so it is now. And we enter that new life through faith, through believing in our heart that Jesus died on the cross so that we could receive forgiveness of sins, so that we could also be set free. And I was set free at that time. My testimony includes being set free from addictions and bondages and the hurts in my life, the, 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 the harm that was done through my previous life in the experience of living under the kingdom of darkness. We've seen that scripture being used today as well how that God has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of God's dear son. That's where we live now. And you know what? We need to live in that kingdom, shining brightly. And, you know, ready to share the gospel, understanding what it is, and ready to share it with who's, the whosoever. Because the Bible says, whosoever will to the Lord may come, you know. Whosoever will, whoever wants to come and receive Jesus can do so. And I encourage you, be looking for the whosoever. Be looking for those ones that are out there. People who you think that might be a, far, a long way away from God. Just let the word of God do its work in their heart, you know. And uh, we'll, we'll see a change and a difference. You know, I'm going to close now. I'm going to pray. And um, I, I, I just uh, let you know that we have got some morning tea that's going to be served out of the, out of the uh, servery here very shortly. And, and uh, as we close, we'll, we'll close with a song. But... I want to encourage you, if you're just visiting with us today, hang around, have some fellowship. But I also, just in case there is someone here that maybe some of these things that we've shared today are new to you, some of these things you haven't quite understood, and you'd, you'd, um, you would say, maybe I need to step into that or step closer into that. And I just want to make an invitation and, and uh, invite you to come on down the front to my right, because if you come over to my left, you'll be in the queue for the food. But if you come over to the right, you'll be in the altar call. And um, I want to make that invitation to come down the front and receive Jesus, maybe for the first time. You know, receive him. And just come like I did. Come like, you know, that, that just inquiring. I actually said that the worst, on the day that I was baptised, I said the worst thing that could happen to me is I'll get wet. <laughs> I might, that, there was that, equi- <laughs> that, was a, that equation. What I didn't know was they were going to pray a prayer and I was going to pray a prayer and receive Jesus in, into my life. And it was that. I didn't want to be religious. I didn't want to become a, uh, what I thought was a goody, goody, good two-shoes Christian. That wasn't what I wanted. But, I, but, but the fact that there was a God that was offering me an invitation and an opportunity for me to find out one way or another just got my attention. And, um, and here I am. 39 years later, still enjoying the experience. Amen? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I'm just going to uh, uh, close in prayer and ask, you know, perhaps that uh, those of you that are here today that, uh, you know, there, there might be one or two among us here today who, who maybe need to come and pray that same prayer that I prayed and receive Jesus for the first time and see what he does, see how he brings his transforming life. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy today, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. 
Lord, we thank you for the work of our Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross and, and what he achieved for us, Lord. And, and Lord, we thank you for the transforming power of your Holy Spirit that's available for us today, Lord. Lord, that we can continue to walk in and experience, Lord, and know. And Lord, we thank you today is it, that as we just step in a little closer, Father, for what you have for us, Lord, that you would uh, minister to hearts today as only you can, Lord. Lord, even bring uh, a person through to eternal life and salvation as only you can. Lord, I ask these things today in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone that agreed said, Amen. Amen. Amen.